You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Wayhai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode up in Tulsa, Oklahoma today. We're going to talk some storm chasing, which it's kind of present at the moment. Tulsa, sadly, has been rocked by a bad storm, but Oklahoma loves storms and tornadoes, uh, and we love sitting on the back porch and watching them. So my guest today is Michael Sager, who is morning meteorologist and storm chaser of two news in Tulsa. Uh, Michael, thanks for inviting me into the station today. Yeah, thank you for uh, coming up, uh, Mike. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, looking forward to diving into it. I mean, I've shared a lot of your photos. You you know, love being out there storm chasing, um, you know, and obviously fairly into weather since it's your career and job <laughs> which we'll get into all that as well and and you know you like I said when we got here you know the, na- the the news station was out of power for you know a little time but um fortunately you kind of got got away with it unscathed compared to a lot of other Tulsans um but let's dive into you tell me a little bit about you where'd, where'd you grow up I uh, grew up in a small town in southern Indiana the town name is Dubois okay. uh, like Dubois uh-huh. French name uh, but uh, Dubois Indiana it's about 500 people uh, grew up in that small town and used to watch storms I had a bedroom window 
that faced west up on a hill and uh, just used to watch those storms roll in. So the weather's always been kind of uh, an interest just because of where I grew up and, and I have family that are farmers. And so obviously weather's huge when it comes to that. So uh, I guess the interest was always there since yeah. I was young, just from growing up in, in rural southern Indiana. Yeah, and then growing up and you're going into school and stuff, do you, do you just kind of, you're always fascinated with weather and, and you know, I, I'm a golfer, right? And we always think we're the best weathermen in the world because, you know, when the rain is coming um, or doesn't isn't coming. Uh, but, you know, when you're a farmer, like you just said, like that's fairly important. Water is important and, you know, it... it it could make or break, you know, the, the crop that year, right? Yeah, and my grandfather had a, a rain gauge at the house and also out at the farm just to kind of monitor, you know, what, how the rain was doing. And uh, he was also a navigator on a uh, B-17 way back in oh, wow. uh, uh, World War II days. And so he had a little bit of knowledge of weather, and he used to tell me stories of uh, navigating around thunderstorms and stuff like that. And, and uh, so I think it, a lot of that does, does get tied back to him, not just with the farming, but with those stories. Um, but, it, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, when you grow up, uh, I mean, it affects everybody. Weather affects everybody. I think it is a little bit more impactful when you grow up in a in a rural area in a farming community yeah yeah no doubt so so you have that you know you have that background and, and looking back you're like yes that's 100 percent why i i'm in weather and i love it how do we get you know to transition going in high school and university and and, and into ended up in oklahoma well this, this is going to be a longer story probably than you plenty anticipated of time. yeah please fill <laughs> as much time as possible yeah. so i debated for a long time if i was going to go weather or art Okay. So it's two completely opposite ends of the brain. Sure. Um, but I was always good at art. I yeah. could, you know, I've always loved to sketch and draw and um, uh, took a lot of art classes through high school. One thing that I was worried about with weather is there's a lot of uh, higher end math. I was good at the lower end stuff, but when you start getting into the calculus and stuff mm -hmm. like that, I, I, you know, it's a little more challenging for me. Um, so I had a big debate, like, what am I going to do? And I ended out getting a scholarship to art school okay. uh, in Savannah, Georgia. And I'm, you know, I'm from a small town in southern Indiana, and I have an opportunity to take this scholarship. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing it, you know. And so I went to art school before I did any yeah. meteorology and uh, went down there for four years. I, I graduated high school in 95. Uh, and so by the fall of 95, I'm, I'm going to Savannah, Georgia, and graduated in the spring of 99. I uh, got a degree in computer art with a minor in art history. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but there was a part of me that I wasn't sure if this was yeah. my passion, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so I stayed in Savannah for about a year after graduation. I um, One of my roommates and I, we tried to do some freelance work uh, and stuff like that. Um, did a couple things, but it wasn't, we weren't very successful with it. And, and I was working at a gym in Savannah and I was like, I just, I need to, I need to figure out something else, you know? Um, so then I moved to Florida. <laughs> Total, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like, well, um, you know, what am I going to do? Well, I, uh, I love kind of like the tourist kind of industry, the hospitality industry. I, I had, uh, had taken a job in Hilton Head just for a very short amount of time. I was driving back and forth between Savannah and Hilton Head. Um, but that drive was getting pretty old. Um, and so I took a job as a doorman in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at a resort on the beach. Largest private 
beach in South Florida outback. Um, I went down, I kind of jumped, jumped the gun there, but I went down for the interview. I had to go back for another interview a week later and uh, ended out doing that for a little over two and a half years. And it was an awesome job. Like you, I mean, you had so many just different people coming in and out of those doors. And, and I had the opportunity. I was the first one that, that people would meet, I'd welcome them to the resort and, and, uh, you know, just different kinds of celebrities, just all kinds of different people. It was a Marriott resort and the Bill Marriott would come and stay there. Yeah. You know, uh, I was like, this is, this is the this guy, is the guy. <laughs> this is the guy, right. you know, yeah, your name's on the building. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's got kind his name everywhere all over the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they bring the family in to, to stay between, Christmas and New Year's. Uh, it was one of his favorite resorts that they had, and it was just that experience was just yeah. incredible. Um, I wish I would have kept a journal. I mean, I, I would have a, an amazing bestseller probably if I just would have kept a journal of all those stories. But uh, I think that really helped me to do this because I was all, and I still am. People are surprised to hear, it, but I still am very introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, and in you know, in this line of work, being on television, that can, you know, getting into television yeah. can be very intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I think that helped kind of break that shell and maybe gave me a little confidence, like maybe I can do this weather thing that I've been kind of putting off for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there we could spend an hour talking about Marriott stories, right? <laughs> like just, you know, the people that you see and the people that come in and, you know, um, yeah, like that's it's an, a very interesting world, right? Down yeah, there. and a lot of vacation people, and you know, all the stories from all those amazing things and amazing times. And you know, you mentioned art, and and you mentioned kind of that period ninety five to ninety nine and computer art, like that's you know like peak internet boom, right? Yeah, I mean that was the Toy Story, uh, you know, was was the hey you had Pixar, you know, they, they were kind of really getting into their heyday then that's what i was you know going to school for um and i like i said i i enjoyed it um i i got a you know a lot of my classmates from them they are working for a lot of these companies now that are producing these movies Mm -hmm. um but uh for me i realized that i just i didn't know if it was for me like once i got into it i was like you know i like it but i'm not sure if this is really what i want to do yeah it makes sense then, like, you know, the artist in you as well dives into the photography side of things, you know, as well. 100%. Like, that all kind of comes around. And um, do you still, I mean, do art, drawing, not, like that? Not as much as I would like. I yeah. think that photography has kind of Taken filled that role. Sure. Um, and I wish I would have done photography sooner. Yeah. Because uh, I've been chasing storms since the mid-2000s. And this photography thing is something I just I just started picking up. You know, gosh, when did I buy the camera? Um, right before the pandemic, probably a year or two before the pandemic. When I first started oh, wow. attempting so re- 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 just that. recently yeah, with, yeah. with the photography, but I've had many years of storm chasing before that. Yeah. Um, and I've known, got to know a lot of photographers that, that mm-hmm. do what I do, and they've been a big inspiration for me. And I, I it just clicked. I was like, why am I not doing this? Like. You know, it's these photographs are right. They are amazing. They're beautiful. And yeah. and uh, like this is what I need to do. Yeah, 100 percent. So from that time, then you're in Florida two and a half years. Um, you know, like 
how, why does that come to an end if you're having so much fun down there? And, right. You know, like, was there just like a not a logical next career step in that, or did you just want to go somewhere else? Yeah, basically, I had, uh, you know, I realized, you know, when it's getting to be 2003, I'm now at my age, getting into my my mid 20s. Um, and as much as I, it was a cool job and I was, you know, made good money with tips and everything. Um, I realized, um, this may be not what I want to do for a career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was great why right now. Um, but I had still had that weather itch. I found myself just, you know, anything weather related, you know, being in Florida, the tropical systems that would come up, I would, I would just watch that like a hawk. And, 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 you know, I've always been fascinated with, with storms and tornadoes and, you know, going back to childhood. Um, you know, I used to have my parents order the videos. In fact, I brought a few of them here. Oh, wow. Just the old school VHS here. Warren, uh, storm chaser, Warren Fadley. This is, a. uh, the Weather Channel used to produce a lot yeah. of these videos. And what's the date? What's the year on this one? Does it say it back here? Okay, this one's 96. So that one's actually a little bit later. Yeah, I haven't seen a video VHS in a long time. Yeah. So, I've got <laughs> yeah. so that's, you know, my fascination sure. goes all the way back there. And it just started hitting me like, you only live once. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to do this, now's the time to right. do it. Uh, so I started looking at going back to school to, to do, and I knew I wanted to do broadcasting. If I did this, I, I wanted, I wanted to go into okay. broadcasting. Uh, I was in South Florida, you know, in Fort Lauderdale and university of Miami's right there. They have yeah. a program. Uh, so I checked out the university of Miami, visited the campus and, and, uh, got accepted, but I didn't realize, you know, this is just my night and how naive I was. I didn't know it was a private school and how expensive that school is. And I didn't want to be six figures in debt, you know, finishing up trying to, pay off all those student loans. Uh, so I ended up turning that down, talked to my now sister-in-law. Uh, she was a basketball player at Valparaiso University, which is Northwest Indiana, just outside of Chicago. Uh, they kind of had a up and coming program and it's just blossomed since. Uh, but she told me to check it out. And so I got online and I started looking at, it. they have a great uh, relationship uh, with WGN TV in Chicago and Tom Skilling, who, if, if you're from the Midwest in Chicago, he's like the king of weather yeah. in Chicago. Um, and they also had a storm chase team and they have a, they would go out for a little over a week, about a week and a half or so and chase yeah. storms in the plains. And I'm reading this online. I'm like, oh, this looks awesome. <laughs> and so I made the, made the plans. Like I've got to check it out. And so, uh, made the appointment, uh, flew up to Indianapolis. And then, uh, actually my brother was at school, Purdue at the time, I actually stayed at his place. And the next day drove into uh, Valparaiso to check it out. And then after my visit there, I knew, like, if, as I was as I was heading back, if I got accepted, I, I was I was going to go. Yeah, and, and well, uh, there you go. And then, I mean, coming back home, if you know, the home state, right? Yeah, it, it op- really opposite ends of the state where I grew up, but uh, yeah, definitely closer to home. I, I will say though, moving back north to the cold, I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I doing? This is, I'm going to oh, yeah. miss the palm trees and the beach. Am I regretting my decision yeah, yeah. immediately? Right, you get that winter and you're like, this oh, is miserable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but worth it. Yeah, no doubt. And and also like you know, like I said, you only live once, and choosing to go back to school after you know being mid to late 20s right like that's quite a decision to go to do that and yeah to leave sunny florida and and such a great time and but to have that realization of you know what like i 
don't want to be 35, 40 and think, oh, I could have been a weatherman, right? Yeah, I could have yeah, been a meteorologist. Exactly. I could 100%. have you know, chased storms and stuff. So, I mean, how was that time? And also, you're going to school, uh, you know, as as an older, ma- you know, an older man, I guess, an older adult. You know, you're not 18, so so like you have more awareness. And I guess a lot of people who I know that have gone back to school just they have more time to just dedicate to school, right? They're yes. not like going to parties and running around and going to movies and whatever it is, right? Yeah, it's I think school. you're exactly right on that. I had, um, and I want to say it was like a mission, but I felt like I. I was there for a purpose, and I and um, I was very focused on what I needed to do to, to follow this path. Um, it was a little weird as I'm, I'm taking some of these classes. You know, I look back at it now, not so much of a big deal, but at the time when you are in your mid twenties and you're now going to class with yeah. kids that were just in high school a year ago, you know, it's like, this is kind of weird, you know? <laughs> I'm that guy. Right? I'm, like, I'm, yeah. like, I'm the old guy in yeah. school, you know? <laughs> no, no doubt. So how was it? How was school? It was fantastic. Uh, the program they've got there at Valpo, and uh, they had, at the time, they had a specific broadcast meteorology program, which which is what I went for. Yeah. Um, they don't have that anymore, but they, uh, I was one of the last to go through that process. But they're smaller uh, program, and so I think I needed that. Yeah. You know, again, I it may not seem like it, but I am I am introverted in nature, so uh, having that smaller group that you know that more one on one learning, I think uh, was was very helpful for me. Yeah. And uh, and once I got there, I realized like I was with. You know, people just like me that are just fascinated with weather can talk about weather, yeah. you know, and, and never get tired of it. And it was just, it was such a great experience. Um, I absolutely loved it. I just, I owe so much uh, to Valpo. And, and the way it worked out because of my transfer credits from going to Savannah College of Art and Design, I was able to wrap up the, the broadcast met degree in like two and a half, two years in a summer session, yeah. basically. Uh, so I didn't have to do a full four years. And, and that was a, another big plus yeah that, that's a huge plus right yeah, especially plus. on the monetary side of things yes. as well too, right? <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. huge you know huge plus having two and a half years in school what was kind of what's the one of like the biggest misconceptions of people who go to meteorology school like what's the you, you mentioned like the math and stuff like it's not just like looking at storms i mean you guys it's such a huge um task and such a uh, an important thing that you guys do right with like tracking and figuring out where they go i mean it is you know it's People joke that like the weathermen have the easiest job in the world because you know it changes every day, so it's the easiest thing to predict, and no one really cares, and no one gets mad at you if you get it wrong because people get it wrong all the time. Clearly, there's a lot more in it. Than that. <laughs> so, what are some of the things that just like I mean, the the hard things or the misconceptions that that stand out for you at that time? I think uh, as far as like kind of learning mm-hmm. through through the years there, um, I never understood. You know, I've always was fascinated with weather. And then once I got into school, just the physics of the atmosphere, you know, how the atmosphere is a fluid, you know, you don't see it because it's clear, but just of how the motions are through the atmosphere and and learning that aspect. um, And and it just kind of clicked. Like, I don't know why it clicked with me, but it it made sense. So like when I go out and chase and I and I see a, a supercell thunderstorm building up and you can see that the the rotation of the updraft and you can visualize how the wind 
flow wind field from the ground level up yeah. to the top of the atmosphere is affecting that and why the storm's doing that everything just started clicking and making sense i was like that's why that does that and you know um i don't know if there's any misconceptions i kind of just went in with an open mind i didn't have any preconceived like ideas like it's going to be this or that uh but i will say as i went through it everything just seemed to click and make sense and uh that doesn't mean we know everything we don't you know there's still you know why does storm a produce a tornado and storm b does and there's still a lot that is unknown which is what makes the, the science of meteorology so fascinating but uh what we did do know and what i was able to learn it just clicked yeah so i uh, do you remember like had you chased before you'd gone to school no no. Okay. So, what was that first chase like? Are you, I mean, you're in you're in school with all these people who love what you you know the same thing, yes. and they're probably just chomping at the bit to be like, we've got to go chase something all together. <laughs> you know. So the way the uh, storm chase thing, it was actually a class. It was designated as a class. Yeah. So you'd have a professor go out with you, uh, and you'd have a group of students, and we would have a briefing every morning at the hotel, depending on where we were staying, looking at the data and a student would run the briefing, a new student, a different student each morning. And so you got to try to forecast where you wanted or where you needed to be or wanted to be for storms. And then to go out and observe them. I mean, it was just, you know, unfortunately the, the, the week that I was out with the, with the school, we didn't have a whole lot of, uh, we had a lot of days what you call, were capped. We had this warm layer aloft and storms just and never got going. But the first time uh, it, we were right on the Montana, uh, North Dakota and South Dakota line, far northwest uh, South Dakota, a little town called Ludlow. And it was the first time that I can recall watching a cumulus cloud develop into a supercell. And then seeing the structure of that storm, and I was just, I mean, it was amazing. You know, it was amazing. And, and you think about, you know, I go back to the times I was a kid, you know, watching these old school VHS videos, you know, and, and you know, and now I'm actually out there doing it. And that was just, so awesome. I, it's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. For people like, that, you know, obviously in Oklahoma, we know, you know, we know weather, right? We know storms, we're not kind of, you know, we're used to all that stuff, but probably a lot of people don't understand how it's created, how it starts. So instead, you know, and I dumb it down because you're talking to me here. <laughs> and I'm sure there's people like me listening that want, you know, just, but what is like the main things that cause the storm, right? Like, and you mentioned kind of cap there, like, is it like, yeah, I mean, just, so how the, does it all happen? Like, why do we get storms? So why do we get storms? There's basically four things you need uh, for severe weather. What we okay. call uh, one, you need instability, and usually with that you have cooler air aloft, and so the warm air near the ground as it rises, it can keep going. Like think of a hot air balloon. That's the best. That's the best way to kind of visualize it. Why does a hot air balloon rise? Because the air inside that balloon is warmer than the air around it. And that is the exact same reason why a thunderstorm rises. So as that air within that thunderstorm is rising through the atmosphere, it's warmer, the storm is, than the air around it. So it's just gonna keep going up. And so, but you need something to start that process. So you need some sort of lifting mechanism. Whether that be a front, and especially out in Western Oklahoma, a dry line, something that can kind of get that air at the surface a little little nudge 
just to get the process started. And then the other thing is moisture. Uh, if you have, if you don't have a lot of moisture, the storm base will be much higher, uh, which you can still get storms with high, you know, with high with high bases. Um, but the more moisture you have, it's just basically more fuel okay. uh, for the storms. And then the key to get rotation is the wind shear. And you have two different types of wind shear. Uh, you got directional shear and speed shear. So, you know, we're sitting here at ground level. Let's say today we're going to have a, a south to southwest wind. Okay. But as you go up with height, that wind direction may change. And typically for us in a severe weather event, especially here in Oklahoma, that wind will turn more westerly, southwesterly, and in some cases even northwesterly. So you get this turning of the wind from the ground up. Yeah. And so what happens is as, the, as these updrafts, as we call it with these thunderstorms, they get influenced by that turning wind and they can start feeling that and start rotating. Sure. And that's what helps these supercells get going. They start rotating. And that's one of the things that, you know, we're talking about. And you go out and storm chase. You can actually watch that process happen. And, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. That's, it just clicks. Like, yeah. that's why that's doing that. You can literally watch the atmosphere influence those storms. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and obviously, there are so many days where you're just driving around, right? You just kept, oh, like, you know, it's yeah. endlessly pounding miles. <laughs> and like, this is just those boring it's not, it's, not it's not always right? funny games. Yeah. But when you find that one storm and you get to see that, right? And you get beautiful pictures from it. And you're, you know, you're kind of, you're, just, you're aware of where we need to be to capture all this stuff and also stay out of the path. And, you know, it's it must be one of the greatest experiences in the world. It, it really is. I mean, I, I don't like seeing the damage. Sure. You know, that, that's the that's the that's the big it's it's I don't know, it's, it's a weird emotional thing. But like you said, when you're out there and you get a witness, Mother Nature do this. And, and, and if you think about it, like this process, you know, where we live, Tornado Alley, this has been doing this for thousands of years, yeah. you know, thousands and thousands of years. These storms have you know, roamed across the area long before we were here. And we just have an opportunity to go out and witness this in our short little span that we've got here on earth, you know, to be able to go out and witness these amazing things. And I kind of got off on a tangent there. What was your question again? <laughs> oh, I, I mean, you, know, you, you answered it. Like, it's just kind of like that first storm chase, right? And yes. also like the, you know, like the, the how it happens and then just the, the, you know, the, the science behind it, right? It's not just, you know, someone right. clicking on a switch and now we have a vacuum cleaner going across Oklahoma, right? right? That's wrapped, wrapped in rain and tearing up houses. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just... You know, it's incredible power, right? And I think the biggest one recently was probably the Matador one in Texas. Was that a few weeks ago? Yes. Kind of, you know, other than the Tulsa one, obviously, mm -hmm. but that was kind of like the big fatal one. I think I saw some kind of chases from home. We're out, you know, covering that. I was like, dies. You know, one picture was like, here it used to be a Dollar General, and it's yeah. like flat. You're like, oh no, it's yeah. terrible. And that, that's the bad thing. You know, that's the downside of it. You know, when you know when they do go through communities. You know, the best case scenario is you get to watch this out in the open, and and uh, you know, it's it, it's weird how it is because I do find it so beautiful. That's why I love to photograph it. You know, I mean, because yeah, it, the photographs are beautiful. I mean, right? it's just it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's like you get a. You know, I kind of went mentioned that before it's like you get to watch mother nature you know and, and i don't know if it you know I, to me it, it's also just kind of a, a release it's like you know i, I 
kind of forget about life for a moment and I get to go out there and just, you know, have my time with nature. Yeah. So get back to the story then. How do you get from university to Oklahoma? Okay. Yeah. Um, so luck of the draw, um, you know, when you, when you graduate, uh, to go into broadcasting, mm-hmm. you don't know where you're going to go sure. up, you know, and it's, and I'm, that's like with any job, but there's obviously less positions available to do this. And you know, I was applying to, uh, stations from gosh, upstate New York to Oregon. Um, you just want to go to a small market to get a little bit of experience. And then you try to move your way up. The only station that to call me back was uh, in Denison, Texas, okay. K10. And uh, so that was the only callback I got out of, I sent out a lot of, you know, what you call resume sure. tapes and they were on VHS yeah. back in that day still. Um, we were getting ready to make that transition, but I still use VHS then. And uh, you just hope a news director sees your tape and like, oh, I like this guy. And, and you know, you just, it's kind of the luck of the draw where you end up. And that's what brought me to this part of the country. Sure. Uh, so I was there, uh, again, about another two and a half year stint at K-10 in Denison. We covered southern Oklahoma, basically up to uh, Ada, Ardmore, and Durant, and then uh, the far northern counties there right along the Red River in Texas. And uh, an opportunity came up then in Tulsa a little over two and a half years later. And, and, and so I've been in Tulsa now since uh, spring of 2008. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, uh, I've uh, uh, over 15 years now in Tulsa, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. It's, yeah, it's crazy, right? I've been here. It's coming on 12 now for me. And I'm just like, where did that time go? It's right? Just, but you don't see yourself yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. I, I mean, anyway. it's been, it's been, you know, when I first came to Tulsa, I didn't know how long I was going to be here, sure. but uh, um, it's really worked out for me. And, and you know, the job I have here at, at Two News Oklahoma, I have not just the morning meteorologist job, but I am a storm chaser for the station as well. So uh, it works out that I get to go out and chase uh, storms for the station, try to report back what I'm seeing. Now, if I'm chasing for work, my photography gets a little bit of a back sure. seat. You know, uh, you don't really have a lot of time to go out and, and snap a lot of pictures. I may try to take a few here and there, but uh, uh, but I'm still out there and, and, and I love being out in the field. Yeah. Yeah. You're ticking all the boxes, right? And, uh, it sounds like, you know, obviously you get storms, you know, in most parts of the country, but is Oklahoma like kind of like the big leagues for storms? Like, is it like the the majors, right? For storm chasing? I, I would say it's right up there with, with, yeah. I mean, if, uh, you know, it, everybody, every place has their sure. spots, you know, in the early spring, late winter, the South, you know, as you get over toward Alabama and those areas, they tend to be very active. We, tend to get it a little bit later um but anywhere in the plains um you know it's just uh yeah it's just anywhere you it is it's kind of like the big leagues i guess you could say right. uh just the you know everybody gets storms but the frequency sure. is going to be higher yeah and especially this year like we've had late storms this year right yeah you know, and usually they're like april may done yeah you know it's like you know we've got through june and we've had quite a lot in june yeah it's yeah. been active the jet stream's been a little bit farther south this year sometimes yeah. we, we do call june mcs season you might be wondering what mcs is it's a mesoscale convective systems that's okay. that's the technical term for these big complex storms sure. what, what came through uh, tulsa uh, was a derecho but it was also an mcs sure. um and so what happens is is you start to see the this 
high pressure that builds over the southern states in the summer, the jet stream kind of rolls around that, and you'll get these complexes of storms kind of run around the upper part of that of that high pressure. And so we've been kind of lined up where those storms have been running right over us. And then for a couple of days now, it's it's pushing a little bit farther north, and we're going to just be hot here the next couple of days. Yeah, I know. Uh, so what's funny is I was down in Norman last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and for the golf tournament that was down there. And, you know, you got all these people coming in from, from for, uh, for the Corn Ferry Tour event in uh, Jimmy Austin, all these people coming in from all over the world and, you know, guys who have all over the states. And, you know, there's storms coming in, right? And and they, they bring an on-site meteorologist every PGA and yes. Corn Ferry Tour yep. event, right? So this guy's here, and I said to him on Sunday, I said, all right, what's the weather going to be like? He's like, ah, excuse me, hot. We, we should be fine. And uh, Tuesday rolls around. Tuesday was okay. And then Wednesday, we had – Wednesday was the big storm, but we caught the corner of Wednesday storm uh, for the program, and it was just windy. And in the space of, like, 15 minutes, you know, all morning it was steady, 15, 20 out the south. And this space of 15 minutes, it was now – 40, 50 gusting out the north, right? So you got guys who have teed off, dry, you know, teeing off this hole that plays south that have been hitting into wind all day. And then the guys who go off in the afternoon have got this huge oh. downwind, right? So they're like sending it. <laughs> you know, and all these guys walk into the tee box. It's getting dark. The temperature drops from 90 to 70. And they're like, are we going to be okay? And they're like, yeah. When the wind stops and things get quiet, that's when you know there's a storm coming. Like Oklahoma's like, you know, every every pro that walked to the tee box was like, welcome to Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a funny thing to do. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a, it was really good event and, and it was fun to see that. But we had like three storms, you know, three thunderstorms in the space of a week. Like did they, they actually postponed play on Friday for four hours because of the huge lightning storm that came through. And, you know, the, the media guys are out there putting their drones up and getting great shots and, but it, it got super like dark for like an hour, right? And then they got to see that. And it's, you know, for us, we're used to it. You know, right, right, right. It's coming, it'll be blowing through, it won't take too long, you know, get some rain. And, and But it's fun to see other people react to it. Yeah, and I, I know a few people that, I don't know if you've seen these storm tours. I was good. Yeah, that's. Yes. I was going to ask you about like storm tourism. Yes, that it is. It is a thing. Yeah, and um, I know a few people that, that run a few of these tours. You is know, it, it, like fairly lucrative. I don't. I mean, I don't know how. Such a short. It's such a how short do you span. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's such a short span. I, I don't know really how much they bring in, but to, so many to, variables. to join to to get on one of those tours is not cheap. Yeah, you know, it's thousands of dollars to to uh, sign up for one of those tours but most of, a lot of the people that come in on these tours come internationally yeah uh-huh. um and so you know the people that i know that do this they say that's one of the things they love about it is they're getting to share their passion with people that are passionate about it but maybe this is the first time they've had a chance to to witness this kind of weather and yeah. and you do get you know uh, you know, I, I'm going to say Europe because a lot of the tourists do come over from Europe. Uh, you get severe weather in Europe. Um, you know, I always call Italy the uh, the tornado alley of, of Europe. It's, okay. it's a, a highly active area for, for big hail and tornadoes yeah. as well. Um, but the frequency where you can chase day after day, you just you don't get that. And uh, and yeah. you do get just some monsters out here on the plains, just these monster storms. And, and that's Crazy. part of it, you know, and, and you know. You mentioned, you know, we see it all the time, but having somebody see that for the first time and get to see their eyes and, and their excitement, like, wow, like, yeah, yeah. nature's awesome. Are they, like, so, so when you do go out and storm chase, right, and you have these, quotes tourism storm chases out there, like, are they just in buses or are they in, like, like 
Uh, it, 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 it's going to be a, a different uh, yeah. depending on what tour company you use. There's okay. some that, that um, one of the guys I know, a good friend of mine, he keeps it very small. Uh, you know, Which two or three people, sense, two or right? three people at a time. But then you do have these others that have you know a couple, two or three vans, and they're and they're you know each van is full of yeah. people. You know, so it, you're going to get Wild. variability on on that. Yeah, because yeah. that's one of the things I hear of you know people and and a friend of mine did a documentary video. Um, probably a couple of years ago now, uh, and followed um, Val Cassio around for the basically the, the whole storm season. Made okay. a documentary about it, and he he said the scariest thing about it is like is the people who are just chasing for fun. They have no idea what they're doing. They're just getting in the way, which is extremely dangerous but also yes. like not dangerous because of they're putting themselves in danger but they're also putting the actual storm chasers in danger too by driving erratically and just being idiots yeah i think the one of the things that has impacted storm chasing is now it's not saying that storm chasing is easy it's still challenging right. but it's a lot easier than what it was you know 10 15 years is ago that because of just apps and technology apps, yes okay 100 you've got an app on your phone yeah. And you've got the radar right there. You can see where everything's at. Um, technology, the, the, the data, as far as models are concerned, yeah. it's getting much more high res. Um, and it is easier for somebody that maybe not have the knowledge and experience to, to go out and storm chase. And so you are seeing more and more uh, people out there. Yeah. I, 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 I never want to... Uh, not because it's something I'm passionate about, and, and I feel like if anybody out there wants to do it, they have every right to, to go out and, and storm chase, you know. Because I mean, I get to do it, why can't anybody right. do it? But just make sure you get the experience and, and, and know what you're doing because you yeah. can get in some serious trouble, you know. If we're talking about how amazing it is at times and how beautiful some of these storms are, but they can be very dangerous as well. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the point my friend made was like, there were some hairy moments there because you drive, and it wasn't because of traffic or anything. It was just because they don't know the roads they're driving down and you get stuck down a dirt road. Yes. You know, and, and he's driving a massive pickup, right? And But at the same time, if you're just in a passenger SUV or a van or just your normal car and you're like, oh yeah, I'll just take, looking at the map, yeah, I'll just take this road and then it turns into a gravel road that you've never been down before and you get stuck and a tornado comes through, like, yes. you're in trouble. So the, the other thing that kind of I, someone mentioned uh, while we were in the golf tournament a couple of weeks ago, one of the local guys was like, you know, they were chatting to the media guys in the media center and they said, uh, they came up with this quote and it was like, meteorologists in Oklahoma are more famous than the actual news anchors, <laughs> which is pretty spot on, right? Like, that's fairly true, you know? Yeah. Like, and the storm, especially the storm chasers, too, you know? Yeah, like it's, uh, I mean, I would, I would uh, agree, you know, with, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, Gary England, you know, back in the day with what, with what he started way back in the 80s, um, I mean, it was revolutionary, and that's what everybody is 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 trying to emulate now. Um, and it, it does make you know. I think it, it goes it goes several ways. I think one thing, if if you do have a tornado live on the air and people can see it, I think they're more apt to take it yeah. seriously, yeah. a threat seriously. Right. At the same time, if you turn on a TV and you're watching a tornado live on the air. You're probably going to still watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it it's like, wow, you right. know. Um, so even if you're not in the in the danger, it, it, it's fascinating to to watch 
as well. Yeah. The other, so you mentioned, you know, earlier you mentioned just recently, I guess in the last few years, got into photography. Tell me about the process of taking photos for storms and stuff like that. Cause some of the stuff that you see and, and also like I've been resharing to my Instagram, a lot of really cool videos too, like of just, you know, hyperlapses, time lapses, all that kind of stuff. Like, so people can actually see the rotation. You know, if you stand in there, it's going to take you a while. Right. But if right. you time lapse it and you speed it up, you can like, really see it. Oh, that's what that thing is doing. Right. Yeah. So how is that process? How has that evolved? Obviously it's a new hobby. So you're still learning and, and photography is something that we will always continue to learn because technology is changing, it's ever changing, and there's always new settings and stuff. But what's that process been like for you out there taking photos? Uh, it's been definitely a learning process, um, you know, because I went in knowing nothing about photography, trying to learn what settings are best and, and, and certain lighting. And, and when you are out chasing storms, the lighting changes yeah. constantly, yeah. you know, it just constantly changes. And so, um, learning that process, you know, for a long time, a lot of my early lightning photos were overexposed. Um, and so I've had to really like cut back on the exposure because, you know, especially at night, you know, you're, it's all dark. Yeah. And so you're thinking, Oh, I need to let all this light in. And then you get a lightning flash and it's just like, you know, it's just all blown up white. You can't see any detail. It's just, well, that didn't turn out very good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so just learning things like that, maybe trying to put those settings where it's maybe a little underexposed. Um, so then when the lightning flashes, it looks halfway decent, you know, uh, just learning things like that. Um, I have a, 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 a lightning trigger that, yeah. for daytime lightning. And then so I'll try to set this, you know, for a long time, I was missing a lot of those yeah. lightning shots because I had my uh, uh, frame rate was was too fast. Yeah. Um, and so I had to, you know, slow down that, you know, leave the try to get as, as long of an exposure as possible for the amount of light in the daytime. And so, you know, you're, you're bringing the ISO down as low as you can and, uh, uh, just trying to let less light into the, into the camera and just trying to get as, as, uh, as long of an exposure. And it still may be, you know, a quarter of a second or something like that, but just that extra little time increases your odds of catching that that daytime lightning strike. Yeah. So it's just learning that process. Yeah. Do you, do you print a lot of yours? Do you sell your prints? Um, I, I haven't sold a lot, but I haven't put a lot of effort into it. Sure. I do have a website. Yeah, uh, if anybody, Instagram's great, by the way. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Follow. Uh, I, I've got to yeah check out uh, my Instagram if you want. Um, it's uh, Sager Weather, S-E-G-E-R-W-X. Uh, but I do have a website as well. I, I've kind of, I don't know why I, don't use my name. I just use, I have frontier sky photography, okay. uh, all together, uh, .com. Um, I do have some stuff on there, but I, I would actually like to try to, you know, I, I set that up two or three years ago and, and, uh, you know, it's kind of outsourced from another printing company where that comes from. I would prefer, you know, to maybe even set something up locally if, if yeah. possible. Um, but, uh, I do print a few, uh, friends and family and stuff like that. I've had, a, yeah. I've had a couple people, buy some as well which is always nice but it's i'm not making a lot of money sure off of it yeah at all. yeah yeah i mean it's again it's just you know if it can help fund some some camera equipment yeah right, it, we're good it, to it, go. it's just that it, it basically covers the website and, and some and some stuff that's yeah <laughs> but uh, you know if i wouldn't mind if it grew either you right know? Yeah, yeah exactly and it's you know you you look at like the the big weather photographers right the ones that are doing you know national geographic oh, stuff yeah. and they're traveling all around the world and you're just like 
this is crazy. I mean, it's amazing the stuff that they're doing. And oh. then, you know, you get to kind of, you know, marry your love and your, your, you know, understanding of weather as well with photography. You know, so yes. a lot of these photographers probably were just photographers to start with and then went into maybe understanding weather, whereas you're coming in the other end. Exactly. So, And I'm fortunate, you know, it is, you know, the chasing community is small enough that I've gotten to know a lot of the, the well-known uh, photographers out there. Great. I mean, they're just, they're inspiration for me. It's part of the reason why I uh, kind of opened my eyes, basically, you know, to follow maybe this artistic path mm-hmm. and weather kind of tying tying my two passions together and um there i mean they some of the work they do i'm just it's it's incredible and, and i know how hard it is to get those kind of shots you know and, and you know you spend just an example like i, I did my chasecation a couple weeks ago um, you don't know where you're going to stay every night. You know, a lot of times you're booking a last minute hotel at like seven or eight while you're still got a chase going. Um, and there's no, you know, it's not, it's not a relaxing vacation at all. Yeah. You're putting miles on your vehicle, going from chase target to chase target. Uh, you're constantly looking at data and you do all of that. And at the end of the day, sometimes you miss it, you know, um, one of the ones that I missed was we were talking about uh, the tor- the uh, the Perryton tornado, and then there was a couple tornadoes right there on the Oklahoma and uh, and uh, Texas line there out in west western Oklahoma, Texas Panhandle. That day, I got I basically got suckered on those first storms that went up to the west of Lawton, and the next day I knew I was going to be chasing Colorado. And I'm thinking, why did I go to Southwest Oklahoma? Yeah. And these pushed me all the way into North Texas, and I really didn't get a whole lot out of it. And now I got to end up in Colorado the next day. If I just would have been more patient, I could have chased the storms in the Texas Panhandle, much more photogenic, could have got amazing photographs and a shorter drive and so it's just it can be it's weird how it is but it, it can be almost depressing yeah. <laughs> you know it's like and you know you've got that long drive ahead for the next day and you're just like oh my gosh you know it's like what a, why like yeah. logistically it was a, it was a dumb decision and uh but uh yeah, that's just that's storm chasing yeah. for you that's just you, how it works do you schedule a chasecation a chasecation every year yes okay. uh so With usually like a bunch of buddies as well uh i usually go out on my own but okay. You, you see everybody you know out there yeah. um, you know so I bumped into a, a lot of friends uh, that I know that do this as well um, and so I kind of go on my own but through the process you get to see a lot of the people you know so I usually will pick a week in June uh, normally like you were talking about you know it's not as active here uh, so most of the time I'm going to be central northern plains maybe as far north as the dakotas uh wyoming colorado nebraska uh, i made it to minnesota one uh, year in southern minnesota chasing um so you usually get that far away and think i've got so, so far to I, go oh home. my gosh I'm so far from home right now <laughs> it's, it's it's just You're crazy just sell the car and yeah. fly home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the amount of miles you, you put on it's just i don't know like uh, I, I think i may have a screw loose or something <laughs> what am i doing right 
<laughs> but uh, but no, you, it, it's you just don't know where you're going to end up. But at the same time, I, I usually pick June because where our season t- tends to be slowing down, I don't have to worry too much, yeah. you know, locally, normally. Um, and uh, I like chasing other parts of the country, and that's one of the things that's nice too is you get to see other parts of the country that you just you wouldn't see otherwise. You're driving through these small towns and and uh, just seeing other other parts of the world. And then I also do uh, one in uh, the desert. Southwest okay. uh, for their monsoon season. Uh, I just started doing this a couple years ago. Uh, first year I, I struggled a little bit, but last year I had a really good year. Um, so the monsoon season in the in the desert, uh, basically you get a, a the wind shift brings some moisture up into the desert Southwest, yeah. and you get a lot of these storms that'll pop up in the daytime, yeah. and they're typically high base because. Being in the desert, it's hot and dry. We were talking about that earlier. You know, the drier the air, the higher the base of the storm. But what that does is you get very visible lightning, long bolts that are not covered up by clouds and and rain, and amazing for photography in a desert setting. Sure. Is that that when you kind of like you you pan back, you have the wide shot, and it's just like... There's just desert sunshine storm. Storm. Desert, like, yeah, it's yeah. amazing when you see that. It, it's it's incredible, and uh, and I've just started. You know, last year I had a good year. I've got mine scheduled for this year as well. It'll be uh, right at the end of July, first part of August is, is when I'll head out, and hopefully the the weather cooperates. Um, but it's totally a different type of, of storm chasing. You know, right. in the plains, we're dealing with more organized storms, supercells, storms that can last hours at a time or in the monsoon season these are more can be more air mass type thunderstorms that just pop up the daytime heating they typically are not as organized and they are shorter lasting so what i was getting burned by especially the first year is when a storm would go up by the time i got to it and set up my camera it was gone it was it was dying (sighs) and so it's and then you're like now i've got to go another 50 miles to try to find another storm you know it's just it was a it was a struggle and i spent three days i i have a i want to get a dream shot of a lightning bolt going into the grand canyon okay uh, it is a goal of mine, and I, that first year I was out in the Grand Canyon for three days, and, and I never got it. Yeah. You know, um, I did get an amazing close-range shot of a of a downward streamer that was basically right in front of me. Thank gosh, I was in a building at the time, uh, but that is a dream shot of mine. Yeah. And I did not try that last year. I, I spent most of my time Tucson, uh-huh. uh, kind of Southeast Arizona. Sure. Um, I was right on the, the Mexican border one day, like literally like on a rock road yeah. and 500 yards away, there's, there's the border wall, you know? What? Yeah. yeah. Um, the, so the other thing that, that makes me think of, reminds me of storms. It makes me think is just the sound. Right, like yes. the crack of a bolt of lightning and the rumble of thunder, and like it's you know sometimes it's nerve wracking, right? It makes you jump. It's scary, but at the same time, like it's just you know the the proof of power and sheer force of the storm and lightning is it's pretty impressive. It really is, and lightning, you know, is you know five times hotter than the surface of the sun. You know, it's just and. It's the same thing, and I don't know how many people, maybe a lot of people know, but it's the exact same thing as, like, you touching a metal object and getting shocked. Okay. It's a static it's yeah. a static buildup, but at a much right. bigger scale. Um, but it's the exact same thing. You get all that friction that builds up within a very turbulent thunderstorm, and you start getting these charges that build up within the crowd, cloud and the ground, and yeah. bang. Bang. 
Yeah. So. And what's amazing too is, I, and I'm going to, sorry, I might keep going off here, but, but I'm just, I, I just, I'm so yeah. passionate about yeah. it. Um, when you have a thunderstorm that is just producing lightning, like, mm, mm, you know, just constant lightning, it's recharging. It's, it's, Think about how quickly uh, okay. that charge is building back sure. to produce another bolt in that short amount of time. Yeah. You know, because once you get the lightning, that evens the charge, yeah. and then it's quickly imbalanced again, and you get another one. Yeah. It's just, just remarkable. The other, like, Wales really doesn't get that much weather. We get a lot of rain, right? We don't. We we get rain, but we don't get like because the cloud base is super low. It's super gray and dark all the time. We don't really get big lightning storms. Um, so when I came out here, and I was like. You know, my dad, first time, one of the first times my parents came out with like a lightning storm, it was for my graduation, May, obviously peak time. <laughs> you know, and he's, he's driving, I think they were driving up from, they flew in Dallas and drove up to Oklahoma City, you know, uh, and got caught in one of the storms. But that, you know, that whole week, like we had pretty good storms and he's just fascinated and out on the back porch videoing the storms, right? He's never seen lightning like that. And, you know, I'd been out here four or five years at that point. I was kind of like, this is normal to me now. Yeah. But it was cool to see his reaction because it reminded me, like, we don't get storms in Wales. You know, and yeah. out here, the lightning's just, yeah, it's fascinating. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. And because of the uh, uh, energy that the storms have available in this part of the world, the, the amount of lightning that they can produce is just... Uh, it's incredible. You know, lightning, you know, Florida is technically the lightning okay. capital of, of the U.S. just because they have so many days with thunderstorms with where they are and, and the sea breeze interactions and stuff like that. Um, but I would argue some of the storms can be much more electrical here in the plains uh, than what you would even get in, in Florida. Yeah. Uh, just it's it's incredible. It's so awesome. I mean, it's scary, but it's awesome at the same time. Um, so what's next? What do you have coming up? Uh, you know, obviously it's hopefully storm season's winding down. Um, you know, what, what's next for you this year? Uh, basically, yeah, we're getting into summer here. We'll see what uh, you know what the weather has to offer for, for Oklahoma this summer. You know, will we be in a pattern where we just get hot and dry for a long stretch, or will we still have opportunities? for storms uh, uh i like this you know even this weekend we have a chance for some storms over the weekend i'm all, i'm already thinking like oh i might shoot some lightning you know you know probably won't be getting supercells and, and tornadoes right. but you know I, i'll have an opportunity to maybe go shoot some lightning yeah. and uh so i'm always anytime there's a chance i like i like to to go out and for me with the way my schedule works um you know, I'm, I'm mornings Monday through Friday. Okay. Uh, usually start very early in the morning, do the morning show. Uh, so it's a little tougher for me during the week yeah. to get out, but I always target Fridays and, and Saturdays as if, if there's a chance I'll go out. Um, but uh, yeah, I've got the monsoon chase coming up uh, at the end of July, early August. So looking forward to that. Hopefully we have a good, uh, yeah. good stretch. And then... Um, yeah, just uh, I'm looking forward to relaxing this summer. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. I, I, I do like the heat. I know a lot of people don't. I, I don't mind it. Yeah. You know, today, um, the day we're recording this, you know, it's going to be a very hot day in Oklahoma. Right. And I'm like, well, that's just, uh, yeah. don't mind it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm playing golf this afternoon. You, you may mind it. <laughs> I'm debating, like, I brought my push cart. I'm debating riding a golf cart or walking. And oh, I know, and I'm just like, part, like I, I don't, I enjoy walking, right? You know, but part of me is like, don't be a dumb idiot, like 
get a golf cart. <laughs> I got all my hydration packs and water and all the rest of it. But yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'll survive. It'll be fine. I got a big sun hat, plenty of sunscreen. So that's probably going to be a long day. But uh, Michael, thank you so much for inviting me to the station. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, thanks for sharing some great stories. And I look forward to sharing more of your Instagram photos um, as you continue to go out and chase and see the monsoon season. I'm excited to see what you do there. And for people listening, I'll post Michael's Instagram so you can go follow that uh, and buy a print if you like one. There's got to be plenty on there, especially, especially the Oklahoma storms. So um, to people listening, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, share an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever. I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Weihai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.